There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning in to Tuesday's podcast. We've been speaking on the mercies of God these last several podcasts, and yesterday we dealt with the mercy of God in Psalm chapter 6. And again, I want to look at thy mercies, Lord, the tender mercies of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see, of course, that uh, as God showed his son mercy, and God continues to grant sinners mercy, God is a kind and a loving God. Yet we're in a day when it seems like many that have obtained mercy or would say they've obtained mercy, yet they themselves cannot show mercy. And I just want to deal with that just a few moments today. Jesus speaking in the Beatitudes, what we call there, and of course, early in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, and he said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, the one crowd that Jesus didn't show a lot of mercy to, it was the religious crowd. Why? Because they were against him. That religious crowd was always against the Savior. They were always against the work of God. They had motives, and of course, we know the love of money is the root of all evil. They were getting rich off religion, and they were surround themselves with the the they surround themselves with the phylacteries, and of course, they made themselves look wise, and it was all the hypocrisy and the show of religion. And yet, without Christ, and when Jesus Christ came and stood in their very midst, they would not believe that he was the Son of God. And so, I'm not talking about dealing with religious people that reject truth and refuse truth. We're talking about just even in this world. We're talking about people that don't know better. We're talking about people ignorant of the ways of God, and how they raise their children, how they rear their children, how they raise their homes. They're ignorant in politics. They're ignorant in religion. They're ignorant in education. They're ignorant in so many things. And that's not a slight to them. They oftentimes just don't know better. But then they come in contact with God's people. They find some of the most merciless people upon the face of the earth. They find people that just scoff at them and mock them for their unusual appearance or uh, for their different ways. They look different, act different, smell different, talk different, a different attitude. A lot of their self-destructive behavior is because of learned traits that they were taught, even as children. Uh, Even today, I had an experience dealing with a young man who was holding the door. His father is trying to teach him uh, how to be manner. His father is trying to teach him how to be well-mannered. He's holding the door for me. And then as I went to get in the car, his father said, let that man get in first so you don't block his door. And the young man stood there and I thanked him as he waited for me. Uh, Yet the father and his appearance and and by his actions, the fact that he's carrying an 18-pack of Bud Light, he's standing there. He's not leading by example the things his son needs to, yet he's trying to show character to his son. And no doubt, I thought, my goodness, here's a man that just needs the mercy of God in this life. And uh, this type of man, 
struggled through life and for no doubt has probably had a hard life, just the appearance of things, of hardness and of hardship, and yet he needs the mercy of God. And in that, I wanted to remember the mercy of God. It certainly wouldn't show him wrath, but wanted to just show mercy to him. And so it's these kind of people that we're trying to reach. It's the people that need God's mercy. And yet the merciful shall obtain mercy. And we're in a day when so many people just can't show mercy. They can only show maybe some kindness to people just like them. And oftentimes you'll find that in religion. You'll find a very religious person, a person maybe of high education, a person of high position, a person held in high esteem. And their religiosity has surrounded them like an aura, like a cloud, or I would use the term a funk. And uh, they're almost untouchable in, in how others esteem them and their opinion. And yet they can't show mercy to the common man. They can't show mercy to the neighbors around them. And I listen, I wouldn't put that man down or tear that man down. I don't know his character. Certainly wouldn't judge a man like that by his character. Each one's an individual basis. But might I say a man that cannot show mercy may have not have come in contact with the mercy of God. And I want to be merciful to people as God was merciful to me. I want to look at thy mercy again. I want to look at it in Isaiah chapter 63 and verse 11. A little bit different twist from where we ran out of Psalm 6 yesterday. I'll start in Isaiah 63, verse 10. But they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was turned to be their enemy, and he fought against them. Then he remembered the days of old, Moses and his people, saying, Where is he that brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he that put his Holy Spirit within him, that led them by the right hand of Moses with his glorious arm, dividing the water before them to make himself an everlasting name? that led them through the deep as a horse in the wilderness, that they should not stumble. As a beast goeth down to the valley, the Spirit of the Lord caused them to rest, so that thou leads thy people to make thyself a glorious name. Look down from heaven, and behold from the habitation of thy holiness and of thy glory, where is thy zeal and thy strength and the sound of thy bowels and of thy mercies toward me? Are they restrained? Doubtless thou art our father through Abraham. Be ignorant of us, and Israel acknowledge us not. Thou, O Lord, art our father and our redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. And so here we see, of course, uh, Jesus Christ and as he comes to earth, and uh, he is about to pour out the fierceness of the wrath of God. He's about to pour out uh, his wrath upon man and squeeze them in the wine press of his wrath, according to the book of Revelation. But in the midst of this, he asked that great question, or several great, great questions. He asked several great questions here. And the question is asked in verse 11, where is he that brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he that put his Holy Spirit within him? And he's still asking questions that led them by the right hand of Moses with his glorious arm, dividing the water before them to make himself an everlasting name. Where is this God? Where is this God that has done this? And by the way, this is man in the face of God, challenging God. This is the affliction of God's people upon this earth. This is the righteous remnant. They're asking again for God to come. This is those in the agony of affliction. They're saying, oh Lord, would you come unto us? And they ask again in verse 13, that led them through the deep as a horse in the wilderness, that they should not stumble. Again, part of a question. 
As a beast goeth down into the valley, the Spirit of the Lord calls him to rest, so that leave thy people to make thyself a glorious name. And he says, look down from heaven. Again in wrath, remember mercy, Lord. Look down from heaven and behold from the habitation of thy holiness and of thy glory. Where is thy zeal and thy strength, the sounding of thy bowels and of thy mercies? Look at this next two words, toward me. Are they restrained? Doubtless, thou art our father. Through Abraham be ignorant of us, and Israel acknowledge us not. Thou, O Lord, art our Father, our Redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. And so in all these questions, when he comes down to the end, he simply says, Thou art our Father. Where is the sound in thy bowels, O Lord? Where is the strength? Where is thy zeal? Where is the habitation of thy holiness? Lord, we've heard you. We've known you. We've seen your marvelous works. We've seen what you've done. But today, where is your mercy? Then they answer the same question, doubtless thou art our father. And can I say, as those in the remnant ask this question, John finally reveals this mystery to us in chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. Jesus Christ himself appears unto man. The answer to the question is simply this. In verse 11 of 19, I saw heaven open. Behold, a white horse. He that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine white linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth go with a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And there's the wrath of God being poured out upon this earth. Jesus Christ has come to slay his enemies. But there's a righteous remnant that's saying, where is he? There's a righteous remnant saying, where's your bowels of compassion? A righteous remnant is saying, where is your mercy, O Lord? He held on his vesture and on his thigh and name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel stand in the sun. He cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together under the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. I'm going to stop there for the reading. But I want to say this, my wife and I ride up down these highways. Today, I probably saw nine or ten hawks. I saw cooper hawks. I saw red-tailed hawks. We saw buzzards. Every day as we travel, we see eagles, and we see falcons, and we see hawks. And it seems like they're more and more and more in abundance. Why? Because they're coming for a great feast. God is going to call them together for the feast of the kings and they'll feast upon the kings of the earth and they'll rip their bowels from their body and they'll rip their intestines from within them and they'll gouge their eyes and God will make them vile before men. Why? Because they have cursed God and they have mocked God and God is going to pour the fierceness of his wrath upon them. God is going to pour out his judgment upon them. God has cursed them. God is going to damn them and yet they're going to stand and fight against the holiness of God, the word of God, and he's going to pour out the fierceness of the winepress of his wrath upon man. 
And that great day of that feast will be a great victory for God. It'll be the great victory that God has done. Why? He takes the beast and the false prophet, and he's done them, and he has cast them alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. So in response to Isaiah 63, saints of God, where is your God? Saints of God, where is he that delivered you out of Egypt? Saints of God, where is he that delivered Israel? Here he comes in Revelation 19, and he's riding upon a white horse, and his name, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is coming back. He's going to come to rule this world a thousand years. Hey, tremble not, righteous remnant. Fear not, righteous remnant of Israel. Your king cometh riding upon a horse. And can I say to you, my friend, in wrath, remember mercy. We see in the very next passage, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4, and I saw thrones and they sat upon them. And judgment was given unto them and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. And then verse 6 says this of those blessed saints, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Thy mercy. Oh, Lord, we're in need of thy mercy. And Lord, in this day in which we live more than ever, we need thy mercy. Can I say to you, sinner friend, under the wrath of God and under the damnation of God, what you need more than anything else is simply the mercy of God. Why don't you make Isaiah 63 a prayer? Lord, where are you that delivered Israel? Where are you that led them by the hand of your shepherd? Where are you that came when they needed you most? Where is the deliverer of Israel? And he waits until Isaiah's prophecy some 2,500 years, but he does appear and he does come and he comes right on time to deliver his own. The second death has no power upon them. Why? Because that's the mercy of God. The second death has no power over God's mercy. And can I say, listen, I may die the first death. And there may be a time, even tonight, even tomorrow, even this week, I could die the first death, but the second death will have no power on me. Why? Because I belong to Jesus and he belongs to me. Bless his holy name. Thank you again for tuning into this Tuesday podcast. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, 
which is Manassa Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption all at night. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home.